Let us pray. Gracious God, speak to each of us this morning at our point of need. Teach us what we need to hear to move forward in faith, to follow you into the world. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Today we're hearing a scripture from the book of Proverbs, the first chapter, verses 20 through 33. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Wisdom cries out in the street, in the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, have stretched out my hand and no one heeded, and because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you, when panic strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. The word of the Lord. I was about four months into my first year of teaching 25 fourth graders at R.P. Harris Elementary School in Houston, Texas. I was a 22-year-old Teach for America Corps member which is to say I was idealistic, a tad bit righteous, and way out of my depth. In the class, there was a student named Sharon e. Banks, who despite all my best efforts, or perhaps because of them, never really warmed up to me. Well, one day in the middle of a lesson, Sharon e. asked me a question, a question that has haunted me ever since. Mr. Redwine, she said, why are you here? Uh, Sharon, I'm here because I'm your teacher. No, that's not why. Why are you here? I'm here because I want to help you learn. She wasn't buying what I was selling. No, Mr. Redwine, why are you here? In these final weeks of summer, we are looking at the last command of Micah's threefold instruction. We have discussed doing justice and loving mercy or kindness, and all that's left for us to impact is walking humbly with our God. Now, the phrase walking humbly here is a tricky one to translate from the Hebrew. 
This is the only time this phrase is used in the Bible. Translators struggle to define exactly what it means. There is no consensus. Some interpret it as to walk with care, others to walk with caution. Others prefer the translation to walk attentively. To walk humbly with God, then, in this world that God so loves is to move through it with care, with caution, and with attention. Perhaps this is why the command to walk humbly comes at the end of Micah's threefold instruction. It is the secret sauce that ensures our justice and mercy are grounded in God's wisdom and God's way. Now, Sherry asked me why I was there in the classroom that day because she discerned as a 10-year-old that my motivation to be her teacher was not aligned with her needs. I was there in one of the most under-resourced schools in the Houston Independent School District because I wanted to make the world a better place. I wanted to help the helpless. I wanted to do justice and extend mercy. But in that moment, Sharni graced me with wisdom that it would take me years to fully understand. I was doing justice as I understood it. I was loving kindness in a way, but I was not attentive to what Sharni and her classmates really needed. I was not moving through their lives with care, caution, and attention. The commands outlined by Micah in his threefold instruction, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, are all interconnected. Remove one and the other two just won't work the right way. Justice without mercy is cold and impersonal and is more concerned about rights than relationships. And mercy without justice can quickly devolve into dependency and entitlement, preserving the power of the giver over the one who receives and without humility, without attentiveness, without care and caution, all the good work we seek to do in the world will likely cause more harm than good. Preacher Fred Craddock tells the story of an unexpected dinner guest who ended up spending the night at his home. As Craddock read the paper, the visitor played with his kids and taught them a new game Watching him, Craddock couldn't help but wonder how long it had been since he had come home from work, got down on the floor, and actually played with his kids. He was judged by the man's actions. Following dinner, the visitor said to Craddock's wife, Thank you so much for that meal. That was just a wonderful dinner. Craddock tried to remember the last time he had said that to his wife. After dinner, the visitor went out for a walk around the neighborhood, and he came back and said, oh, those folks next door are so nice. I met Mr. Young and his wife from Seoul. What a nice young couple. Craddock had heard that some Koreans had moved in down the street, but he didn't know them. When the visitor said their first names, he again was judged by the man's words. Craddock reflected that he had a familiar pattern in his life. Come home, read the, pepper, read the paper, eat some supper. Then here comes this stranger, and suddenly everything looks different. And he thought to himself, where in the world have I been? 
This idea of walking with care and caution and attention through the world God so loves is supported by the opening verse of today's passage from Proverbs. Wisdom cries out in the street, in the squares she raises her voice, at the busiest corner she cries out, at the entrance of the city gates she speaks. Wisdom in this passage is really frustrated. She's angry because no one will listen to her, despite all her cries, all her pleas. And from where is wisdom speaking? She's not crying out in the temple or in the synagogue or even at a session meeting. No, wisdom is crying out in the streets, in the public square, and in the busiest corners of the city. Beginning in the fall, we're going to offer monthly prayer walks on Saturday mornings. The purpose of these walks will be to practice walking with attention and mindfulness through different neighborhoods in the city of Richmond, to train our eyes to see what God is doing and our ears to what wisdom is saying. In two weeks on short Sunday, we're going to do a trial run of sorts after worship by walking through the neighborhood around the church to look for God and to listen what wisdom might be saying to us. During the protests for racial justice that dominated our city during the summer of 2020, I was serving as the interim pastor at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church, the closest church in the country to the former Lee Monument. It was a tense time to be serving a congregation struggling to find its purpose and place amidst all the cultural upheaval and change. One day while sitting in my office during the pandemic trying to figure out how to encourage anxious members to step out of their comfort zones and show kindness and hospitality to protesters walking up and down Monument Avenue, literally at the front door of the church, pondering that I got a call from a member who had ventured down to the protest to see what all the fuss was all about. Pastor Derek, she said, I know a lot of people are asking you to stop encouraging us to come alongside and engage the pro people protesting, but please don't stop. Keep encouraging us to listen to all that they have to say. I say that, Pastor, because I had the most interesting conversation today with a young man in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt as he got ready to protest. We didn't agree on anything, but listening to him helped me understand it helped me understand his motivation and his pain. What would happen to us, to the world, to the church, if we consciously changed our attitude toward the world and people outside these walls, from one defined by judgment and fear to one framed by curiosity and wonder? What would happen if we actually believe that wisdom cries out in the street, in the squares she raises her voice, at the busiest corner she cries out, at the entrance of the city gates she speaks? In my experience as a general rule, church people like you and me, we struggle to believe that God is actually speaking clearly and passionately in the streets of the city, as if the, the pulpit is the only place where the Word of God can be preached. Instead of listening to wisdom out there, we talk about poor neighborhoods as if they're devoid of any hope, possibility, or strong leaders. We 
talk in general, generalities about people from across town as if they are nameless, powerless victims with no agency. And we react to suspicion, myself included, to every new mo movement, new voice, new idea that does not confirm what we already believe to be true. Jesus calls us out into the world to receive a sermon from the people we're called to serve. And yet so often we lock ourselves into our echo chambers, reinforcing what we are certain we know about them and about ourselves. What would happen if we consciously changed our attitude towards the world outside these walls from one defined by judgment and fear to one framed by curiosity and wonder? Instead of shaking our head at every new cultural trend or social media platform or social movement or alternative form of expression, imagine what we might learn if we took the time to figure out the why behind the growth of each of these things. What if instead of lamenting how much the world has changed, what if we lived as if God is always and forever trying to teach us something through the voices crying out in the streets? We like to believe that God speaks to us in here, and then we go out there and share what we've heard in here with those out there who need to hear it. But what if we got the whole thing backwards? What if our primary task is to listen to God out there and then come back in here to share what we learned out there and then to ask God help us, to help us go back out there to meet the people at their point of need, at their point of need, and not our own? If I had walked into that fourth grade classroom with just a little more care and caution and attention, if I'd assumed a posture of listening instead of saving, I would have learned that what Sharoni and her classmates needed was someone like me, someone with access to privilege and power, to fight for them outside that school in the streets, in the public square, and in City Hall. They did not need me to save them. They needed me to listen to them, to understand them, to be taught by them. So my actions would address their needs and not my own. Wisdom is eager to teach us. She is crying out right now on the city streets. And to hear her, we must walk with care and caution and attention through the world God so loves. I'll leave you with a poem now from Jeffrey Harrison. It's called Renewal. At the Department of Motor Vehicles to renew my driver's license, I had to wait two hours on one of those wooden benches like pews in the church of latter-day meaninglessness where there is no stained glass, no windows at all, in fact, no incense other than stale cigarette smoke emanating from the clothes of those around me, and no sermon, just an automated female voice calling numbers over a loudspeaker. And one by one, the members of our sorry congregation shuffled meekly up to the pitted altar to have our vision tested or to seek redemption for whatever wrong turn we'd taken or pay indulgences 
or else be turned away as unworthy of piloting our own journey. But when I paused to look around, using my numbered ticket as a bookmark, it was as if the dim fluorescent light had been transformed to incandescence. The face of the Latino guy in a ripped black sweatshirt glowed with health. And I could tell that the sulking white girl accompanied by her mother was brimming with secret excitement to be getting her first license, already speeding down the highway alone with all the windows open, singing. Amen.